Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. We're excited about starting that series next week. I hope you'll jump into that. We've actually got some devotionals that we'll uh, have available that will track along with the series. And we'll be, if you're in a city group, you're going to have the opportunity to track along with it in our city group. And, and whether you're a, a somebody who is a follower of Jesus or maybe you are somebody that's investigating faith, this is going to be a really good series for you to just find out what does it really look like to be a follower of Jesus. Uh, unfortunately, in our world, that, that, that idea of following Jesus and really the church has kind of gotten jacked up, and it's gotten jacked up by a lot of church people. And, and so when you talk about being a follower of Jesus, a lot of baggage comes with that, at least in people's minds. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at what does the Scripture say about what a follower of Jesus really is. And so next week we're going to start that series. I hope you'll invite somebody to come with you. I hope you'll be back. Uh, it's going to be a great series. Today, before we jump into what we're going to talk about today, uh, this uh, you've heard us talking about it the last few weeks if you've been here. Today we're starting another uh, kind of cycle of what we call growth track. And growth track is if you're here and you're visiting or maybe you are here and you say, you know what, how do I get connected at CityWalk? How do I grow in my faith? What we have is we have a thing called growth track that takes place right after the service, starts about 15 minutes after the service over in the fifth classroom uh, by City Kids. And we take about 25, 30 minutes, closer to 20, 25 today, since it's going to be a game later today. Uh, but, but just a few minutes, and we do four weeks in a row. And every week is focused on helping you in some area of your walk with Jesus, getting you connected better here at City Walk. And so if you're somebody that says, hey, I want to take a next step, start with Grow Track. And I promise you today, the guy that teaches it will not go long because he wants to see the game as bad as you do. Uh, and so that's today. It starts today. Great way to get connected. And, and when we started City Walk, just now we're starting year two today, because last year was our, our last week was our birthday. We, we started, and from the beginning, we wanted this to be a place where people had easy ways to take next steps and easy ways to get connected. And that's what Growth Track is all about. And so if you were here last week, we had a great time. Uh, we had a great time celebrating a year as a church. Uh, we had a great time kind of remembering some of the things that God had done over the past year. We heard some testimonies. We watched a video just to kind of recall and remember some of the things that God has done. If you were in a city group this week, one of the things we did in each of our city groups is we also took some time in our groups and just tried to remember, hey, what's been a favorite memory of you uh, over this first year, and I know in our group we meet on Tuesdays, it was great to hear the stories of people and just how God had used them being a part of this gathering to encourage someone else or to be encouraged themselves. And so it's just, it's fun to remember. 
And in fact, if you are somebody that's read much of the Old Testament, you know that God is pretty big on remembering. Like he told people all throughout the Old Testament, he would tell people, hey, remember this, remember this. And in fact, what they would do is many times they would build something as a way to remember. And so whatever, for whatever reason, the thing that they chose to build a lot of times is a pile of rocks. And God would say, hey, hey, you really need to remember what, I'm, what I just did. You need to remember what, what's happened here in this nation of Israel. And so in order for you to remember it from generation to generation, I need you to build a pile of rocks. And, and when you look back at that pile of rocks and when your grandkid asks you, hey, why is that random pile of rocks over there in the field, Dad? You'll be able to remind them. Of what God did. And today, I don't know about you, but I don't have a pile of rocks in my front yard or in my backyard. Maybe for you, that's a way that you still use to remember. But for most of us, since we're kind of digitally a little farther than the nation of Israel was, we remember things by taking pictures or by taping a video so that we can look back at it and remember what just happened. And, and we do that with a lot of things. We, we look at things like special days, like when our child was born. Like my, my, my oldest is 18. It's like, hey, buddy, I don't have a video of you because I didn't have a phone like that back then. But my six-year-old, we got the whole thing, man. We got the whole thing. When she, and you probably do too if you have younger kids. Man, you, you, you wanted to remember that, so you took an awkward video in the delivery room so you could remember it. If you are going to get married soon or, or you've just been to a wedding, man, people got their phones out and they're taking videos and selfies and pictures so that they can look back a little bit later or a lot later and remember the outfits they wore back in 2020 in 15 years and kind of laugh. And we do that. We remember our kids' award ceremonies. So if you go to, especially like as kids get older, less parents go to it, but the kindergarten award ceremony is jammed with parents and their phones. And they're up front taking pictures. Every kid wins an award in those award ceremonies, so every mom gets a video. Uh, and, and, and we do that. We do that so we can remember. We maybe vacations. If you just took a great vacation... You probably got a lot of pictures. You posted a bunch of them on social media. And, and when your friends come over, you're like, hey, let me talk to you and show you a little bit about Hawaii or about wherever you went. And it's a way that we remember. One of our favorite memories as a family that we actually captured on video was Christmas morning 2012. And I want to show you one of our favorite memories that we caught on video. So that, that was one of our fun, fun memories that we had when we announced 
uh, that we were having Kate. We had at that point two kids that were a little older and weren't planning on having any other kids, but we got that on video and we didn't tell. If you know Steve, uh, my father-in-law, we didn't. Everybody else in the room, all the other adults knew that we were having a baby, but Steve can't keep a secret. And so he was the one. And so I, I remember that little vacation because Lori's like laid out on the couch, nosh, you know, sick and then it, Steve put two and two together. But, but you know, like, like we, we do stuff like that because it helps us remember kind of with excitement and, and just really be able to remember some of those special times in life. And if you're a parent, two of the most important things as a new parent that you seek to capture on video or really remember are your child's first steps. Like, man, you, you want to remember, you want to see that kid take those first steps. And also, the second thing is you want them, you want to remember their first words. And, and if you're a mom, like, you're, you may not say this out loud, but you're hoping down deep, come on, mama, mama, mama. You, you want it to be that first word. And if you're a dad, you're over there coaching your kid when mom's not looking. Hey, dada, 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 come on, say it with me, dada. And, and then your kid messes with both of you in their first words, ball or dog or something like that. But, but first words are important, and they're things that we remember, and we remember them with joy. But here's what I wanted to talk about today. First words are important, they're special, they make us smile, but last words are powerful and mark us in a way that first words don't mark us. And over the last few weeks, our community and nation has kind of been punched in the gut with the loss of some very special people. Some of those people we sat at a dinner table with, others we walked the halls of school with, and others we watched from a distance and admired on TV on a basketball court. But we, as a, as a nation and, and lo locally in our community, have kind of been punched in the gut because of some very special people that have gone on before us. And, and amid the hurt and the questions that come with loss, it's really, really important that we remember it's important that we remember, and whether you're somebody who's a follower of Christ or whether you're somebody that is maybe investigating faith and you're not sure what you believe, one of the things that we can look to and remember is the Scriptures. And even if you don't buy into the whole Jesus thing yet, the Scriptures bring us tremendous hope and encouragement as we look back and remember. And today what we want to do is we want to take a look at some of, of, of Scripture's greatest heroes and we want to look at some of their final words because their final words will bring encouragement to us, but they'll also give us encouragement to give to other people that are hurting and need hope. And the first person we're going to look at is, is one of my favorite Bible characters. His name was Joshua. And Joshua was a guy, he's in the Old Testament, he was part of the nation of Israel, and when Joshua was born, he was born into slavery. His nation, the nation of Israel, had been enslaved to the Egyptian nation for hundreds of years before Joshua was even born. And during Joshua's lifetime, he watched as this man by the name of Moses led his people, the nation of Israel, out of slavery towards what God had promised a promised land, a historical moment for his nation. And 
in God's sovereignty, Moses looked to Joshua and invited Joshua to be kind of his assistant. And so Joshua, he, he walked with Moses. He was with Moses. Man, he, he did what Moses needed him to do. He was Moses' assistant, and he watched all of this take place as his nation left slavery after hundreds of years to go to this promised land. And, and they went to this promised land. It was supposed to be a fairly quick trip, but it ended up taking over 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. I mean, if you're a type A personality that wants to get stuff done, it was not a good 40 years for you because it shouldn't have taken them that long. But, but this is what Joshua what was a part of. He was a part of this. And then his, his hero, his mentor, his friend, Moses, led them right up to where this promised land was. But then God told Moses, hey, Moses, you're not going to lead these people into the promised land. Your assistant, Joshua, is going to take over now and lead the rest of the way. And so that's what Joshua did. He led the people of Israel, millions of people to this point, into this promised land. He fought battles. He's a great general. God blessed their nation. They, they had some ups and downs in the process. But now you fast forward. The nation of Israel is in, in the promised land. Joshua is now an old man, and he's literally just a little while from going into eternity. And before he goes into eternity, and he knows it's happening, he knows his time is short, he's, he's done all this, he's followed Moses and then led himself, and now his time is short, and, and at the end of his life, he gathers together the leaders of the nation of Israel, and he has some final words for them, and then he gathers the people and has some final words for them. And, and here's what Joshua said as he gathered the leaders just shortly before he went on into eternity, it says this. And now I am about to go the way of all the earth. And you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the, all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. Joshua is sitting down with his leaders. He's about to go into eternity. And he says, you know what? I failed you. You, you failed each other. But God has never failed us. Not one word that God told us, not one thing, not at all, not one word that God promised us has not happened exactly how he said it. And it's Joshua, he's, he's just literally maybe days, months from going out into eternity. He wants his leaders to be reminded that God's word doesn't fail. That people will fail you. That life will fail you. That, that really everything will fail you at some point. But God's words will not fail. And, and then Joshua, after he's talked to the leaders, he goes and he talks to the people. And he says this, it says in, in Joshua 24, 15, it says, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day. He says, man, don't waste time, it's time to make a choice. Whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua says, you know what? I've been around the block. 
I've seen a lot of things happen. I've had a lot of ups and downs. I've watched things happen. I've watched God work. And at the end of my life, I'm more convinced than ever that God's way is best. And so for my family, here's the choice that we're going to make. Our family is going to go the direction of God's way. We will serve the Lord. And it's your turn to choose. See, he's he's just shortly going to pass on into eternity. He's now about 110 years old. He's, he's, man, sweat and blood and tears with these leaders. They've been through everything. He's been through everything with these people. And at the end of it all, his message to them is this. God's word can be trusted and his path is always best. God's word can be trusted and his path is always best. See, on your best day or on your worst day, Joshua's message to us is simply this. Trust God's word. Lean into it. And follow his path for your life because it's the best option. Not 50% of the time. Not 80% of the time. Not 99% of the time. It's the best option every single time. And so whether this is the most challenging time in your life, whether this has been the best time in your life, because you'll have ups and downs just like I will, Joshua's message to us is simply this, trust God's word and follow his path. That's what's best. And out of everything he could have said at the very end, he wanted to make clear to the nation he had led and the people that he loved dearly that would carry on the legacy that he and Moses started Trust God's word and follow his path. Brings us to another guy. Another guy that you've probably heard about whether you grew up in church or not. His name is Paul. And Paul was a guy, Joshua, he's kind of one of those guys. He's in the first part of the Bible, the Old Testament. But then you go to that second portion, kind of second section of your Bible. There's the New Testament. And Paul is a guy that, man, he's, he writes a lot of the New Testament. He's a big character in the New Testament. And if you know Paul's story, you know that Paul wasn't always like the, the greatest Jesus follower. In fact, when, when, when Paul comes on the scene, he, he's a guy that's really the greatest opponent to the Jesus, Jesus movement around. He actually made it his job and role and passion to really stamp out the Jesus movement. But, but then he meets Jesus and he becomes the greatest captain and really the greatest team, uh, the greatest leader in the movement. It changed. And what's interesting about Paul is after decades of serving Jesus, he started churches all over the known world. He's remained faithful in the midst of persecution because in in his world, it wasn't always popular to follow Jesus. It wasn't always popular to start churches. And so he had been severely persecuted. And he's now at the end of his life, he's sitting in what is probably like a dungeon. He knows that his time is short. It's not a matter of uh, if it's going to happen. It's just a matter of is it going to be tomorrow or next week or next month. He knows his life is going to end soon. And as he's sitting there in that dungeon awaiting his arrival to heaven, he decides to pen a letter to a young man in the faith named Timothy. 
And as he gets to the end of that letter, the second letter that he wrote to Timothy, which for us is the final words we have of Paul. Before he gives some final greetings, he shares a final message with Timothy, and it's in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 17. It says this, But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. Others walked away. Others let me down. But not the Lord. He stood with me. So that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. Paul says, hey, when this thing started, when I became a follower of Jesus, he gave me a mission. And my mission was simply this, to take the message of Jesus to the Gentile nations. That's what I was given as my mission. And that's what I've been about. That's what God's allowed me to do. And it says this, so I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. See, Paul, as he's writing this, he's days, maybe weeks away from a soldier coming to the door of his dungeon, escorting Paul outside of the city, laying his head on a chopping block, and cutting his head off. That was the future. That was what is going to happen. That's what did happen, we know, from history. He was just a few days, weeks away from this. And as he's pinning really what is his last words to a guy that is uh, very, very important to him, a guy he loves dearly named Timothy, he, he shares some words that are encouraging for this young Timothy, but are also really encouraging for us. And here's what Paul says to Timothy. He says, God is with me. I cannot be stopped until he, he is ready for me to come home. Hey, Timothy, God is with me, and I cannot be stopped until it's time for me to go home. The scriptures say in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it says this, It's appointed unto man once to die. That's an appointment that if you're somebody that's always late to stuff, you will not be late for that one. And if you're the person, like, like me, and I do this to my wife all the time, like you're in the parking lot like 15 minutes before the person that unlocks the door in the church, to, you know, that person, if you're real early for stuff, you're not going to be early for this appointment. The scriptures say that every single one of us has an appointment with death. It's already been set. You won't be early. You won't be late. Paul knew that. And so that is why Paul could literally be stoned to death. Somebody, they would take him out and try to kill him. He'd go unconscious. Then he'd get up and regain consciousness and go back to telling people about Jesus. Because Paul knew, I've got an appointment. I'm not going to be early. I'm not going to be late. Nobody can stop me. I'm not afraid. Because I'm not going home till it's time. And I'm good with that. See, Paul was this guy that, man, even when things were tough, he kept this perspective. See, when we face tough times in life, we tend to, honestly, let's be honest, we tend to worry and we tend to retreat. When we lose things that are important to us, man, our tendency as human beings is to kind of come, come in on ourselves and begin to worry about worst case scenarios and what if that happens to me and we start to retreat and we start to not be uh, on the offense 
And Paul's saying, you know what? Here's, here's my words to you. God is with you. And you will not be stopped until it's time to come home. So stop wasting time worrying and put your time into living a life that matters for eternity. See, even in our society now, have you found yourself over the past few weeks maybe worrying a little more than you normally would? Kind of wondering, ask questions like, why, why did this happen? Or how, did, how could this, like, what, what's going on? I've been to more funerals and services in the last few weeks than probably like the last two years put together. And I think one of Satan's strategies is to take these times and instead of looking at these times as, okay, God, what do you want us to learn? How can we become more like you? How can we comfort those that are hurting and then continue to be about what your kingdom's about? It's so tempting to begin to worry and, and for lack of a better word, just like a little kid, kind of just get up under the sheet and just hide. And Paul was a guy that, man, he was facing tough times, persecution, death on a regular basis. And his message to us is, hey, God is with you. You will not be stopped until it's time to come home. So stay after things that matter for eternity. This leads us to one more person. We look at Joshua. He's kind of this guy in the Old Testament, part of Israel. And man, his message to us is, hey, man, God's word's true. You can trust it. His way, it's best. Follow it all the time. And then you come to Paul, and Paul's this, this character in the, the New Testament that made such an impact. We're still feeling his impact today, 2,000 years later. And, and his message to us is, hey, man, keep after it. You can't be stopped until it's time for you to go home. And so stay after it because God's with you. But then we come to our champion, our greatest example, his name's Jesus. And unique to Jesus, we actually have two sets of last words from him. We have his last words before he died, and then when he rose again, he spent some time with his followers, and then we have his last words before he went back to heaven. And whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, you probably know the story. Jesus came to earth. He was God's son, 100% God, 100% man. He lived 33 years on this earth. And as a 33-year-old man who never sinned, never disobeyed God, he had come here with a mission, and his mission was to go to the cross. And so the day came. The day came that he was born on this earth for... And we celebrate this here in the, the you know, next season, this spring, when we, we have Good Friday and we, we have Easter and we, we talk more about this. But, but during Jesus' death, he was beaten, he was mocked, he was humiliated, and ultimately he was nailed to a cross. And he was nailed to a cross not to pay for his own sin because he had never sinned, but to pay for my sin, to pay for your sin. 
And while he was on that cross, it was an excruciating way to die. He had lost so much blood and he was literally coming to the end of his life. I mean, his body was shutting down and right before he died, he said he was thirsty. And so the the soldiers kind of in a mocking way gave him a sponge full of sour wine that would kind of deaden some of the pain, but kind of also just kind of make fun of Jesus. And, And Jesus took that and here's what the scriptures say. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. When when Jesus had received this, this drink from the soldiers, his final words after he took this drink was simply this, it is finished. That, that word is a Greek word, tetelestai, and it basically means this, it means paid in full. We've recovered kind of uh, tax receipts from this time period that have paid in full to Telestai. It is finished, stamped on them. And Jesus, as he's coming to the end of his life, as his body's shutting down, his last and final words to the world is simply, it is over. It's finished. It's paid for. See, Jesus had come because sin had broken our world. Which is why we have sickness, which is why we have pain, which is why we have death, which is why we have brokenness. But when Jesus died and rose from the grave, he said to death and hopelessness, your time is up, your power is gone, you are finished. It's over. It's been taken care of. It's paid for. It is finished. See, and everything that hurts Every insecurity we have, everything that makes us cry or hurt inside, he said, hey, I've put it on a time clock and it is coming to an end because of what I've done. See, there's coming a day because Jesus said it is finished that you will never get a phone call about a bad diagnosis. You'll never pick up the phone and hear someone crying because of loss. You'll never go to a funeral You'll never cry a tear. You'll never hurt. Because Jesus' last words were, all that stuff, it's finished. And that's pretty good that that baby started crying right when I talked about tears. Santiago and I, we had that worked out. That was good. Uh, but, but it is finished. And, and, and you think it was accident that Jesus' last words were, it is finished? That that his final words were, man, it's over. Man, don't let your heart be troubled because it's over. I've taken care of it. And after rising from the dead, they they took his body and put it in a tomb. You, You know the story. He rose from the dead. He began to spend some time with his followers before he went back up to heaven. And and right before he was about to go back up to heaven, he gathered some of his closest followers and he said this to them. He said this, we have it in Acts chapter one. He said, But you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses, my witnesses, in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Jesus' final words are, hey, it is finished, spread the word. It's taken care of, tell everybody and start with your neighbor. It's over, it's taken care of, it's paid for. Tell everybody about it. And I I love, he said, man, I'm leaving you the Holy Spirit. Because 
being my witnesses, you can't do that. You can't do that on your own. You, you need power from within. And so I'm, I'm literally giving you my spirit that will empower you to basically take what you've seen and heard about my death, my resurrection. You've seen me alive and I want you to take it and I want you to tell the world and I wanna, want you to start with the person who lives next door to you. And then I want you to take it to the next city and the next town and I want you to take it to the ends of the earth. See, I'm leaving you here so you can take this message and spread it. Why? Because everybody needs to know it is finished. Everybody needs to know there's a day when there won't be any more tears. There won't be any more death. There won't be any more hurt. Everyone needs to know about that. See, life on earth, it's, it's not a game. We know that. It doesn't last forever, but people do, and they will spend eternity somewhere. And so Jesus' words 2,000 years ago are just as important to us in 2020 as he finished his time on earth and he closed out his life by just telling us, hey, it's finished, now go tell others about it. I, I said this at the beginning, first words make us smile, but last words, they mark us deeply. And in the midst of, of challenges, in the midst of some tragedies that all of us have experienced even recently, it's important that we remember. Because I don't know about you, but, but when you look forward and things are hurting real bad, the, the picture doesn't always look great. And your perspective, just like mine, it, it's hard to keep the right perspective. And, and so the scriptures constantly remind us to remember and when we remember, it, it helps us to gain strength, encouragement. It gives us direction when we remember. And so we, we are to remember just what we talked about. We're, we're to remember that God's word can be trusted. And his path is always best. And because of that, we lean into it. Like, what are you, when it's hurt, when you're hurting? What's your first thing that you lean into? Like when, when, when you've just been punched in the gut with news of a terrible loss or tragedy, what's your natural thing you lean into? And Joshua, his, his message to us is, hey, lean in to God and his word and his way because it's best. It, it won't always be easy. It won't always make sense, but it's always best. And so you can lean in. The scriptures tell us in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You know what that, that word trust literally means? It literally means this. It literally means to lay yourself prostrate prostate. I always mess those two words up. Uh, but, but basically to lay yourself down in front of someone. And so when you trust in the Lord with all your heart and, and you're literally laying down in front of him, when, I, when you laid, if you were to stand up here and I was to lay down in front of you and not look at you, I would have to trust you 100%. And the scriptures say that's what we're to do with the Lord, to trust in the Lord with all our heart, lean into him. We remember, so we lean in. We also remember that God is with me, and I cannot be stopped until it's time to go home. 
so we don't waste time worrying, but instead invest our life in what matters. Think about it. If you were the enemy, what would you try to get you to do in times of trouble, in challenging times? The enemy's goal is to have us look within and to retreat and to hide under the covers. And Paul's message to us is, hey, remember, remember, God is with you and you can't be stopped. Like you're not going to be one second early for death or one second late, so you might as well make the most of it. Make your life count for eternity. And then Jesus, we remember that when Jesus died and rose from the grave, he said to death and hopelessness, your time is up, your power is gone, you are finished. So we spread the word that it is finished knowing everyone will spend forever somewhere. Because we remember, we tell others that it's taken care of and they can have hope. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you might be kind of a person that you're not a follower of Jesus. And, and because of some maybe recent tragedies or some things that have happened in your life, it's at least got you questioning. Like you're at least starting to ask some questions and you're kind of wondering. And you may not understand this, but it's actually evidence that God loves you deeply that you would even have questions. That you would begin to question in your heart is God saying, hey, I love you. And, and, and I'll, I'll tell you this, whether you believe it or not, that God does deeply love you. And he wasn't one of those people that says, hey, I love you, but I'm not going to back it up with my actions. He said, hey, I love you, and I'm actually going to give you the most precious thing I have, my son, to prove to you that I love you because you and I have a broken relationship because of sin, because I've disobeyed God, because you've disobeyed God, we have a broken relationship. And God says, I love you so much, I'm giving my son to heal that relationship because you're that important to me. Jesus came, he died, he took the penalty for our sins, and he wants a relationship. He wants a relationship with you. And, and if you're here and you're just kind of questioning, maybe things in life have brought up questions and you're, you're starting to wonder, like, is this Jesus thing legit? Is this something I should step into? You, you might be looking at your life saying, I got to get a little further from my past before I do that. Maybe somebody's lied to you and told you, hey, you got to get some things together. You got to quit doing this and start doing this. And once you get those things cleaned up a little bit, then you can go kind of hang out with Jesus. Jesus is saying to you, hey, come as you are. You, you bring all your baggage to me. Bring it all to me. And I promise to transform you from the inside out. I'm not intimidated by your baggage. Bring it. I'm here. That's why I came to transform you from the inside out. And I promise you I will. And so if you're here this morning and you would say, hey, Chris, this morning I, I, I understand that I've sinned. I understand that I've disobeyed God and my relationship with God is broken. But, but Chris, I believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave for me. And I want to step into a relationship with him. You can do that today. You can do that today. You say, how? Well, it's, it's not real fancy, actually. You, are you willing to just, between you and God, just admit to him that, hey, yes, I've disobeyed you. 
Yes, our relationship is broken and it's not your fault. It's my fault. You willing to, in your heart, believe that, that when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, that he did that for you, that you needed it and he did it for you? And then are you willing to just, in the quietness of your heart, just between you and God, just come to Jesus this morning and say, Jesus, I want to start a relationship with you. I want you to transform me from the inside out, and I want a home in heaven with you when this whole thing's over. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes as we, we close out. If you're here this morning and, and you would say, Chris, that's me. Man, I've, I've been struggling lately. I've had a lot of questions, but man, I've come to a place where I do understand that I've disobeyed God. I understand that. I understand and believe that, that I needed somebody to take care of my sin, and I believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave for me. And Chris, I do. I want a relationship with God. Well, if that's you, and you can do that this morning. Just in the quietness of your heart. You just talk to God. Maybe say something like, hey, dear God, I admit to you that I've sinned. I've disobeyed you. Just tell God. God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave for me. Jesus, this morning... I'm coming to you. I want to start a relationship with you. I want you to transform me from the inside out. Just between you and God. If you're here this morning and you'd say, Chris, this morning I, I prayed to receive Jesus. This morning I admitted to God that I had sinned believe that Jesus died and rose from the grave for me and this morning I asked Jesus to start a relationship I wanted a relationship with Jesus with every head bowed and every eye closed if you're here this morning and you'd say Chris that was me this morning I prayed and I asked Jesus to save me would you just in the quietness of this room with nobody else looking around would you just slip up your hand just slip up your hand you're, you're saying this morning Chris I prayed and I asked Jesus to save me Anybody else? In just a second, I'm going to close in prayer and then we're going to close out our time with some singing and then some announcements. But if you're here this morning and you prayed to receive Christ or maybe you have questions about it, would you be willing to take that card that's close by you in the seat pocket and would you just, there's a spot on there where you can check a box that says that you started a relationship with Jesus. And if you would allow us to, we'd love to maybe send you an email or give you a phone call this week and just make sure you understand the decision you made and, and just be a help to you. That's our desire. We're not going to bug you. We just want to help you start your relationship with Jesus. God, I thank you for the beauty of memories. I thank you, God, that as we look through Scripture, we don't see a lot of perfect people. We see a lot of people that desperately needed you. And God, I'm, I'm thankful for people like Joshua and people like Paul and people like Peter and others who we, we literally have their last words 
their last thoughts about you. And God, I pray that we would take those thoughts and that that those thoughts would encourage us deeply in our core as some of us hurt. But then those those thoughts and those words that they would be uh, just things that we could now go and encourage other people with. God, I pray that we would be hope bearers, not because of us, but because of who we serve, our King Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.